Remember when I peed on my doctor? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like sitting there being like, that ain't nothing, girl. It's funny when she says that because I can imagine just the whoosh, like the gush that just splatters all over everybody. Hey guys, it's Carly. And this is Jade. Welcome to Mommy's Tell All. Hello, hello. Hello. It's one of our favorite weeks, you guys. Birth Stories Week and Dear Mommies. We get to listen to births and answer questions we probably don't know the answers to. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) I do love these, though, because there's something, I don't know, that I feel like so connected when I hear the voices tell their, you know, like whoever calls in and hearing their voice and telling their own story. I just love it. And it just, I'm just like, there's something about it that makes me feel like more connected and hearing what people's voices sound like. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is so-and-so, you know, like, you know, we have a lot of people who call in that are big in the, in the Facebook group. Yeah. And I mean, like in the, Facebook group or on Instagram or wherever, mm-hmm. you never really, I mean, people will write you, but you're not hearing their voice. It makes like it more personal. personal. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, yeah. And then we have our Dear Mommy segment, which I think is so much fun. It's y'all's questions that we are answering. And again, let me just say, like, I feel like Dear Abby, she was like an expert. She knew all the things. She would like research answers. These are literally just our opinions. We like, don't know the things. We don't know any <laughs> of the things. Like, we might have our favorite like baby product or we, you know, and like we know those things, still our opinions, but don't get mad at us if our opinion is wrong. You know what okay. I mean? Can opinions be wrong? Aren't they just opinions? Well, if it's different than what you think. If you're like, (laughs) no, that is so incorrect. Like, that's just my opinion. I mean, you can be mad at me for it, I guess. That's up to you. But don't ruin your day because I say something silly. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Okay, well, but first, let's – I feel like let's just jump into these birth stories because these just always are are so much fun and uh, they're either like – Ah, warm and fuzzy, or they're like, oh my gosh, trauma. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never know. Everyone's is so unique, and that's what I love about. So let's let's dive in and listen to these stories. All right. Hello, Mommies Tell All listeners. This is Molly, and I'm based in Hudson, Wisconsin. I am super excited to be able to share my birth story with you all. I love the podcast and really value all the times I've been able to listen to others share stories and experiences based on the subjects that are being discussed. So I'll start out by saying that my pregnancy was somewhat unplanned. I had been married only a short amount of time, but before I was married, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which made me kind of anxious about being able to actually conceive a child at all. After a couple of months of doing acupuncture prior to our wedding, you know, I started having regular cycles. And so then shortly after our wedding, I actually became pregnant. And by the grace of God, I'm very thankful for that. I was able to conceive so easily, despite being told by multiple physicians that I would really struggle to have a child. So I think that kind of started out with the fact that I 
was more of an anxious mother when I was pregnant. A side note is that my mom is a stage 3B breast cancer survivor. So my whole entire life, I've been really scared about sicknesses and being, you know, all these different things. And so I thought a lot about what could go wrong oftentimes in my pregnancies. And so I really tried to control (laughs) every aspect of what happened um, throughout my pregnancy. And then what made me the most anxious, I would say, is probably like not knowing what would come for you know, my birthing experience, you hear all these stories, traumatic ones, beautiful ones, scary ones, funny ones, you know, whatever it may be, and you never really can plan for it. So that part left me a little bit uneasy at times. But at 40 weeks, I think it was on April 2nd in 2019, I went into my doctor's office for my 40-week checkup, and she had said that I was 80% effaced and two centimeters dilated. I never really felt any sort of like contractions or anything like that before. I didn't ever feel like I was going to give birth aside from the fact that I was just really uncomfortable and a very large tummy. Um, And I had asked her, you know, I live about 35 minutes away from the hospital at the time. And so I said, you know, is there any way I can get induced? And I was really hoping that she would induce me that day. Um, Unfortunately, she just said that they had no room in the hospital beds. um, So I would actually have to be induced two days later. And so, which was perfectly fine with me, you know, waiting those two days, knowing that you're going to have your daughter or your baby. It's a long two days, almost longer the entire pregnancy, but it's well worth it. So at uh, 7 a.m. on the 4th of April, I went into the hospital and the nurses, it was so funny. They said to me, it's a birthday party. And they were really excited and made me kind of giggle because I was so anxious, you know, just to get the day going and how it would go for me. They started the Pitocin to get started. And, you know, as the contractions, I now knew at that point what contractions actually felt like and the pain started to increase. I decided that I wanted to get an epidural, which, you know, something about the epidural also frightened me because, you know, you look up Google, the large needles and you're like, oh my gosh. But I ended up getting the IV in my hand and that actually hurt worse for me than the actual epidural. And so once that happened, I felt nothing. Um, You know, I felt being able to move, I could still move. I could still feel people touching me and stuff. So it's not like you lose all sense of it, but you're just like almost unable to walk. So they'd have to move my body from side to side to help kind of regulate my body and get things moving and continue to keep things moving throughout the labor process. Um, and then one thing that did happen due to the epidural as a side effect is that I had uncontrollable shaking, almost like shivering, which was a little bit scary. But at the time I didn't really think too much of it because I was so like, focus on getting this done. And then, you know, my doctor had come in various times throughout the day or nurses and they had stopped by and they're like, well, she's, you know, when you feel like you're going to have to go to the bathroom, you know, number two, um, let us know. And so I, I had said something like, well, I do feel like that. She's like, well, I don't think she's coming anytime soon. I think maybe a couple hours or so I'll come back. And I said, okay, well then about maybe five minutes after she had stopped by, I was like, I really feel like I need to go to the bathroom. Like she must be coming. And so I had rung the bell and um, they had my doctor come in and she's like, Oh, we're ready to go. I guess you're right. And so I um, ended up just pushing like one time and she was like, Oh my gosh, like she's 
almost out, but then she had noticed that her umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck. So she had me pause and I don't know, she did some sort of maneuver (laughs) where she undid the umbilical cord around her neck and then had me push one more time and she was out. So it went by really, really fast. Um, I only had to push two times. I think, you know, the amount from start to finish, I had only pushed about 15 minutes or less. Um, like I said, it was only two big pushes you know, afterward, I would say the shaking stopped once the, you know, epidural had worn off and, um, it was nothing, but, you know, the most beautiful moment of my life, my husband and I were overjoyed to finally meet our baby and my mom actually was there. So I know I had mentioned in the beginning that she had cancer. She's a survivor. So that was also very special for me to have my mother watch the birth and we named her after my mom too. So it was all a very special experience. And I think the one thing that I took home from the entire experience is that even when things feel out of control, they always work out the way that they're supposed to. And, you know, everyone's birth story is so different. So it's oftentimes difficult for us to compare to one another's. It's nice because we can resonate with each other's birth stories or learn what we should bring or what we should not bring in our hospital bags or silly things like that, that could potentially have a bigger impact on our birth story. But in reality, everyone's story is so different. And so I would just encourage everyone who is listening to just soak it all in, enjoy each moment and know that your story is going to be uniquely special because it's for you. Anyway, that is my story in a nutshell, and I hope you all enjoyed, and thank you so much for having me on. Oh, that was a sweet one. First off, having your mom in there, the fact that her mom is a cancer survivor is amazing. I feel like the warm and fuzzies from that. There's such a beautiful thing about having like, I don't know, like the person who birthed you be there. Like I didn't have that. My mom was watching Bella for one and then driving for one. So I just feel like that's just really special. I also, the fact that she pushed twice is like so amazing. Like think of the the women that just like push and push and push. They're like twice, what? (laughs) Like, oh gosh, push once, she's almost out. I mean, the cord wrapped around the neck is so scary. That happened to Bella too. Which is actually really common, so. Yeah, I I hear that a lot. I didn't know that that was so common when it happened to me, but now I do know that it is common. Yeah, I, I mean, it is scary, you know? Regardless right. if it's common or not, but it's actually something that a lot of the times doesn't because the umbilical cord's meant to stretch. He's trying. Tanner brought him into feet. He's trying to play. He the wants microphone. to talk. He wants to say something. <laughs> He's, gonna He's like, it. this is the booby today. But I think that's really I it's almost like a simple birth story in a way, just because things kind of happened. Kind of like they're supposed to, I would say. I think it's amazing that, you know, like she had PCOS. And I think that a lot it gives women a lot of hope out there who have it. That Oh, yeah. You know, oh, that yeah. there, there may be hope for them to still get pregnant and have a baby. PCOS is like really, I think it's like one in 10 women now That's are crazy. affected by it. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. And I, I it makes me remember like – what it's like to have your first and to have all those like anticipation feelings and wanting to oh, like yeah. control everything and to make it like, you know, like try to like get a grasp on it because you're just, you don't know what you're going through. It's all new experiences. Oh, yeah. And like that, what that first contraction feels like. And you're like, oh God, you think like, yeah, am I sucks. having a contraction? Am I having a contraction? And you're like, oh God, nope, that's a contraction. <laughs> yeah. Even the, um, lots of these like, yeah, bring up those memories you almost forgot about. Like, 
uh, when she's talking about the epidural and how they have to like roll you from side to side. I do remember that, but I forgot that one of the epidurals, I can't remember who it was with, but like made me really shaky. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so shaky. Like, am I going to be able to even like put my legs up and like try to have this cake? Cause I'm like so shaky. And I totally forgot about that. Like till now. So it's funny how like even women telling their birth stories remind me, oh yeah, like I forgot that happened to me until now. Like if I had retold my birth story, I wouldn't have remembered that until like I remembered it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much to Molly for sending her birth story in and sharing that with us. That's really special to, to share that with everybody. So thank you. Thank you. we have one one more today yes so, we have the page all right so my daughter was born during covid i had to have a covid test done before i could get induced so then the morning of my induction i got to be there at 6 30 my doctor came in at 8 30 and she couldn't get my water broke she pushed pitocin and told me let it do its job i'll come back at lunch at 11 30 12 o'clock she came in and said, oh, you're at four centimeters. So she broke my water and then said, well, if you need anything, let the nurses know. And by that time, I was ready for an epidural. So I got my epidural at about 12.30, 1 o'clock. And I sat there for four hours at four centimeters. My doctor came in at about 5, 5.30, and she goes, you're only at five. And by that time, I was so defeated. I was like, oh my gosh, she's never going to come. I'm never going to have this baby today. She said, she'll be here when she's ready. Don't worry. So she left. And about a matter of 10 minutes, I went from five centimeters to 10 centimeters. And I just was sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh, I just have this urge. Like I need to push. And so I called the nurse. The nurse came in. She checks and she goes, oh, yeah, you're at 10 centimeters. We'll wait. Don't push. Don't do anything. Let us get the room ready. Because they hadn't even had the room ready yet because they weren't ready for me because I was going so slow. So they got the room ready. She texted my doctor. My doctor came in and she said, I thought you guys were kidding. I didn't think it was baby time. So after she was in there, she got all ready and then... They said, oh, she has a student with her. Is it okay if she comes and watches? And at that time, I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm on display. This is nothing new. She needs to learn. It's fine. So the student and my doctor came back in already. And she sat down. And I pushed about five pushes. And then she came out. But the cord was wrapped around her neck. So the doctor had to put her finger between the cord and the neck and kind of turn the baby around a little bit so she could get the cord loose. And the cord came off. And once she pulled the whole baby out after the cord came off, my water had not, not all of it was out yet. And so when she pulled her out all the way, my water just splashed everywhere. And it hit the doctor, it hit the nurse, it hit the student, it hit my husband. I just felt so bad. But that's what happens when you have a baby. And so there she was, healthy, beautiful little baby girl. Aww. That's so funny. Remember when I peed on my doctor? 
<laughs> I'm just like sitting there being like, that ain't nothing, girl. No, that's so funny. Like, I, it's funny when she says that because I can imagine just the whoosh, like the gush that just splatters all over everybody. But she's right. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it's and then just the happens. student, the student <laughs> just like, student. she got the person got quite an experience. <laughs> That's so funny. I bet that student is now like telling that story yeah, to people. Yeah, it's a memorable story for them when they were in school. Yeah, I feel like the, that there's like similarities in these two stories and the fact that they both had like the nuchal cord, um, the cord wrapped around the neck and the quick pushing. I can't believe how fast... It's crazy. Bodies are so crazy. Like that you could be at a four for four hours and all of a sudden you're at a 10 and it's like in yeah, five minutes and you your just. Your body just opens. Your body just does it. Your body's like, oh yeah, here I go. Yeah. When, it, when it's when it's ready and the baby's ready. They, they just, it's ready. And yeah. like it's out of your control. Like they were trying to control it, but it was really just up to her baby and her body. Right, which is interesting too, though, because then there are stories where like a woman's body doesn't dilate at all, and then you know, then they have to deal with that. Because yeah, that's true. Yeah, from somebody like from my personal experiences, it's something that I haven't experienced is going to a hospital when you like have to like sit and wait. And I didn't for me, I'm like I don't I didn't realize that sometimes they like don't have a room available or they don't have your room ready. Like I've never had that hospital experience experience with my births so it's interesting to hear women who like said that they're like yeah and then they were like oh well we don't have a room for you and I'm like what happens like what did they do with you I think the rule like at mine was if you're gonna induce if it's full they'll call you and tell you like you're gonna have to come back another time but if your water breaks they have to get you in yeah something like that yeah but like with Bella I was supposed to be induced and it was like soup. It was a day after Valentine's Day, day, and I think like it was like the day of inductions was like Valentine's Day. Everyone wanted to be induced on Valentine's Day, and then there were also just an, a bunch of re- regular births on Valentine's Day, and so they were like super full. And so I they were going to I think call me and tell me what did they say that I was going to have to be like delayed a day or half day or something like that. But then because my water broke, they were like, okay, well, we have to get her in. So, oh, that's so interesting because, yeah, because with Emmy, my water had already broken at home. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, that's what that, that's what they told me. I don't, it could vary. I don't know. Again, we're yeah. not experts. We don't I know. Don't know. I don't the know the answers. <laughs> that's what personally happened to me, or that's what they told me anyway. Who knows yeah. if that was even true? I mean, but yeah, there were a lot of, similarities but I feel like gosh it just brought a lot of brought a lot of memories back mm-hmm. yeah you know? yeah sitting there and just waiting to open up I get it I remember that I remember that wait <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's jump into our dear mommy segment where we take anonymous questions from you guys and try our best to give you advice <laughs> Yes, we try our best. If you want to submit questions, you can DM us on Instagram. You can also call us at 844-844-MOMS and leave your questions there. Okay, number one. How do I tell my partner that since birth, sex down there just doesn't feel the same? Oh, you just gotta, you gotta tell, you just gotta say it. Rip off that Band-Aid, I say. I, you know, it's so hard because sex is so deeply personal, right? And you're used to your body feeling a certain way your whole life. Your body has felt this one way. And then all of a sudden it feels different. But if you are in a committed relationship with someone, 
I think it is important to tell them that so that they know how you're feeling about everything. Because I feel like sex is so, it's such an emotional thing. Personally, I I don't know if it's a woman thing. I don't know if it's a personal thing, but it's so emotional. And to even orgasm, I have to feel some type of emotional connection. I can't, I can't personally just do it from the feeling of it. So I think it's, it's almost important for yourself. I feel like to be open to talking about that. So then maybe like you could figure out some other way to do it or some helpful tools to maybe make it feel differently. And also just, I think it's important mentally to talk about it. Yeah, I think I think it's good to be honest about it, even if it's embarrassing, you know, because... And it shouldn't be embarrassing because it really is like life. Right, right. But it might be, it might just feel like embarrassing to be like... No, I get it. Yeah. You know, like totally. as, a, as a woman, like my body is supposed to do certain things. And right now, like I don't, when we have sex, it's not you, but like it feels different or I don't feel anything at all right now, you know? And a lot of those times it's just like, especially after you have a baby, our bodies are just changing and, and our vaginas went through huge trauma, you know, like yeah. our bodies expanded and they're meant to do that. But yeah, it takes a long time for our bodies to go, you know, it took nine months to grow a baby and right. it takes time for our bodies to go back. And sometimes things may right. never be the same, but thankfully there is such thing as like pelvic floor therapy and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's something like you might need to look into if you're afraid that like I may never feel anything down there again and it's a, it's affecting my sex life, you know, or like every woman deserves to feel pleasure, you know, like you for yourself, like do it for yourself too. Like totally. So if that's something that may be something to consider, but also know that it's so normal and that it's not, it's not just you. I think it's okay to tell your partner and I think you just start by being honest, being like, I didn't expect this, but like, since I gave birth, like things feel different down there for me and, you know, like, or, or painful when we do, you know, in this position, or I don't like it when we do this position because it feels awkward or, you know, you just kind of have to yeah, let them know because I'm sure if they knew they would want to like change things or help you or try to make it the most comfortable for you, you know, in any way. And Also, I mean, it could just open the possibilities of doing something new and different. And in that, you might find kind of fun. I feel like sex can be so, if you're with the same partner, I feel like sometimes you just do the same things because- You just get into the routine of what works. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, maybe it'd be fun to like change it up and try new things and see if that could- I mean, again, sex to me is like really bonding. So maybe it'll not only feel good, but like maybe it'll be more of an emotional connection where you feel like you can talk and be vulnerable about. Sex is just like such a hard thing to talk about, I think. Some people are really open with it and some people fake their orgasms. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a question for me. Do you think there are women out there who have never faked an orgasm? Because I know I certainly have just for oh, I, certain reasons. Yeah, I have for sure. <laughs> you know, I have for sure. I get it. Sometimes you just <laughs> wanted to get it over with. I don't know. Or like Let's, performance, performance anxiety, you know, or you're getting yeah. to know somebody sexually and you guys aren't meshing yeah. yet. Like you don't want to disappoint them. <laughs> have you ever had like 
really, really bad sex. Yes. I'm trying to like go back and think. Oh, yeah. No, so have I. And I don't necessarily, it's the same as kissing. I don't necessarily think that means that person is maybe a bad lover or, or some, and sometimes it just takes like a couple times with that partner to feel like comfortable and understand each other. But I also just think it's like sometimes like people just don't mesh, you know, like sometimes somebody's worst kiss is somebody else's best kiss, you know? You're totally right. I do feel like too, like I, there was one guy I dated that I did not know was like a sex addict. Like he was, my sort of was he my boyfriend I don't even know you were dating but we were together for a while yeah we were dating and he always did sex exactly the same but it was like a, this like a rhythm it was like bum 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 oh wait, please bum, don't bum, tell bum. me he like jackhammered you because that's never yeah good. it was it was like sort of like that and but like always did the same rhythm and it was so weird and his penis was like shaped like a banana oh my god you're so funny and it was like a lot of things, and it was always like so bad. There was it was never good, but I, I was never very honest about it because I was just like, "Is this like I like him, but is it supposed to be like this?" <laughs> it's not. It's not supposed to be like that. Um, okay, let's go on to a different question. <laughs> Okay, question number two. I am 25 and married and don't feel ready for kids yet, but I'm afraid to wait until my 30s and not be able to. I need advice. Hey, we had kids in our 30s. Yeah, they're just worried that if they wait, then maybe like their egg reserve will be low and they'll have a hard time, I think, is what she's saying. I think, I don't know. I have this weird, I get it. But I also have this weird sense that like babies come when they're supposed to. I really do. Like, I feel like I wasn't supposed to have babies and my babies came because they were supposed to. And I know that's like probably not true, but I feel that like deep within myself. I think our babies choose us. I feel like stress and fear also play into probably sometimes it being harder to get pregnant because you're so worried about that and you are stressing. You are 25, which is young. It's young. You really don't have to stress about it. I say, again, does my opinion matter? I don't know. I just feel like don't, you can start stressing about it if when you start really trying, it's not working. Then maybe you start not stressing about it, but get getting some answers. I say, don't stress now. I was not supposed to have babies and I have two beautiful human babies that came out of me human babies like what were the cats I don't know <laughs> but I don't know I feel like don't don't stress you're still young yeah you have a lot of time to think about those things enjoy being married and one thing that you could do if if, if it is like something that you're constantly worried about is knowledge is power and there's now like really easy easy ways like you can just order online tests to do at home to see your ovarian egg reserve you can see how many eggs you have if you have a normal amount if you have a higher than normal amount if you have a lower than normal amount so you can kind of understand your fertility and I think that that's really like something that could maybe be uh, reassuring is that like oh I have a normal amount of eggs and they're a normal amount of healthy eggs so when I'm 30 I'll probably like be okay so that may be something that's 
reassuring. Or you may find out, I have a lower reserve. So maybe I should start thinking about having kids in a year or two or whenever down the road. So those are really easy to get now. Like you can just order those online and it's kind of like really neat that we have that as as an option as women now, you know, because that was something we Science probably, is cool. yeah, you can see how many eggs you have. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's my little tidbit. <laughs> That's good advice. That was better advice than mine. Okay. My second pregnancy is so much harder than my first. There's no glow this time. Help. Oh, dear. I feel like the glow goes away a little bit more with every baby. Yeah. But I just feel like it's because they're just sucking it out of you. They suck the glow. Oh my gosh. But there's like products to help without after babies. You can get the glow back. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's so funny because I felt like I, a lot of the time, just looked like a disgusting during pregnancy. But people would still look at me and be like, you have such a glow about you. You look beautiful. So I think maybe sometimes too, it's just like all on your head. I do agree with that because it's like the is the pregnancy glow a myth or is it like a real thing? I think it's just like we ad, we emit like and it's probably our hormones and people smell our hormones like the pheromones when we're pregnant and like people are like attracted to that so they're like you're glowing. You know, but you're like I am dying. <laughs> like my skin yeah. is my skin is dry. I'm constipated. I oh, my God, my lower my lower back hurts. I can't sleep. I'm dying. So I think it's like we'd feel all these things inside so we don't feel like we're like, I'm a pregnant goddess, you know. But to the other pe- to other people, we may be. And you are. You are. So You are. You're having – you have a baby inside you. You are a pregnant goddess. Yeah. But it is true though. Subsequent pregnancies do get harder. It's just – our bodies have been through it before. Our bodies, you know, it's it's like what they say, like a rubber band. When you snap it the first time and then you snap it again, it just gets, you know, our bodies, just, it's a little bit harder each time because it's been through a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you're, and you're more nutrient deficient because you said they oh, suck yeah, it out true. of you. They do. They suck that glow. All right, so this is the last question. It says, I want to stop breastfeeding, but my 14-month-old still demands the boob. I feel guilty, but I want my body back. I think oh, that Oh, this is a Jade def- question. Well, I think it's not <laughs> just a, any woman question because, like, I mean, I think we all understand, like, you know, how much our babies demand of our own bodies and how we want to feel like – we want to feel like ourselves still, you know, again, or, or especially after breastfeeding, like – to have your body belong only to you again in that certain way. But I think I think you just know when you know. It's it's a very personal decision and it's okay if it's it's okay if it's you deciding that the breastfeeding's done. Some women choose to let the babies kind of lead the way, but it's okay for you to do it too. Like for whatever reason, it doesn't even have it doesn't even have to be because you want your body back, it could be any reason, but that's also a very, very valid reason. Yeah. Breastfeeding is a job. Like, it is a full-time job. How many hours you spend feeding your baby is a full-time job. How many hours women spend feeding our babies just, you know, to, to nourish another human? So it's a lot. It's demanding. It's it's exhausting. So I totally understand where you're coming from. You know, from. it's interesting. Shouldn't feel guilty. So with Bella, I breastfed for like three months and I just, I don't know, I was not producing. It was just so, it was just a a mess. It was a mess for me mentally. It was a mess for her physically and me physically. And it was almost like, I don't know, I kept saying like, I was like, I feel like my milk is like poisoning her. Like she was just sick and it was bad. 
And then with Charlie, I only did it for a week and I felt pretty guilty for a while. And now I just, they're both great and they're doing great and they're both healthy. And I just feel like with time, the guilt faded, but I do feel like how I felt then is not how I feel now. So I don't know if that would help at all, but I do feel like almost with time that kind of that feeling of being like, oh man, I should like continue, I should have continued with Charlie for longer, but I don't, I just don't feel that way anymore. It was the right decision for me and he's perfectly fine. So yeah. And I've been on both sides of the spectrum too. Like I, I stopped breastfeeding Brooks at four or four and a half, five months. So, and I, and I felt very guilty about that, but it was, it was the same way. Like he wasn't gaining weight. I felt like exact same phrase, like my milk was poisoning him because he couldn't tolerate it. Both Emmy and Brooks were colicky, but I also understand the perspective of a baby who is very bonded and attached to breastfeeding and it's their comfort, it's their food, it's, it's, it's a lot to them. It's not necessarily just like the food. It's, it's, it's a way that they soothe. It's the way they feel safe. It's the way they feel loved. Like breastfeeding babies are kind of like that. And so I understand like the guilt of like taking it away. It's almost like when you take away a pacifier, it's like, I'm taking away this thing that you love, (laughs) but it's time to move on. Like, and, and, and it may be hard for like a week or two, but then they just like, they don't even like, it doesn't even phase them anymore. And they're perfectly They're so adaptable. Yeah. They're perfectly fine. And it won't change the relationship at all. Like, I feel like that's probably something you learned too, is like, it doesn't change the bonding experience or the relationship with your child once you're done breastfeeding or if you never breastfeed so right I feel like we gave great advice today Jade (laughs) I feel like we are our own dear Abby over here seriously you guys send us your questions like we said you can DM us on Instagram you can also call us at 844-844-MOMS and we do one of these every single month so we'd like to hear your question and thank you for listening you're the best thank you guys we'll see you next week (laughs) 